Shortly before noon, the Muslim called a prayer rang out from the imposing Al-Omari Mosque across the mixed Jewish-Arab town of Ramla, wafting over a crowded market. No one seemed to pay any heed aside from a small group of men who assembled for the noon prayer. But the call from the loudspeaker is now on the front line of a conflict in Israel. Israel's parliament, the Knesset, is considering two bills that would silence mosque loudspeakers at least during night hours on the grounds that they cause unnecessary noise uh, disturbance. The issue has caused heated debate about the place of religion in public space in Israel. Sponsors of the bill say it is designed to prevent noise pollution. Moti Yogev, a rightist parliament member who has sponsored one of the bills, told the legislature that the proposed law expressed the simple principle according to which freedom of religion should not harm the sleep and quality of citizens. Talal Abu Ara, a member of the United Arab List, the Arab Party in Parliament, calls the bill undemocratic and designed to harm Muslim freedom of religion. For hundreds of years, he goes on to say, the call to prayer did not bother anyone, and now it suddenly does. This is part of the incitement against Arabs and Muslims in general, he adds. We will not honor this law and we will continue calling to prayer as usual, he said. Though it may seem like the United States is becoming less religious and more secular every day, especially in and around its big cities, the world is becoming more religious every day. According to a Pew Research Center poll taken in May 2017, the estimated change in religious populations from 2015 to 2060 offers a peak into an increasingly religious world. Pew estimates in 40 years, Muslim populations will have grown 70%, quickly outstripping all other religions. Christianity will have grown 34% and Hindus 27%, Small religious groups like Jews, folk religion, and unaffiliated believers, that's us, (laughs) will have grown by a few percent, and if the poll is right, Buddhism will have shrunk by 7%. Worldwide, the 21st century will be, by all accounts, a Muslim century. And given the level of violence, discrimination, and prejudice Muslims already experience, the 21st century might also be one of terrible religious strife. The world is getting more religious, not less. How we Unitarian Universalists embrace an increasingly religious world will be a testament to our faith. And that faith will most surely be tested. Oddly, one thing Unitarian Universalism is good at is raising atheist children. 
Many of us wonder why so many of our young people drift away from First Parish after coming of age or high school. Yes, they are busy. Yes, they are overscheduled. Yes, they are interested in new things like college or a first job or military service. But part of the reason they drift away is because we tell them that they can. We tell them to figure out for themselves what they believe. Too often we raise them to be respectful of religion, but not to practice it. We raise them to think about God abstractly, but not to have God dwell in their hearts. We raise them to think that helping others is all the religion they will need. Now, there's nothing wrong with an atheist position having come to that theological position through deep religious inquiry, but if a child is raised without any concrete beliefs, that child becomes an accidental atheist. He or she will feel no need for religious community once they are on their own, and non-religious young adults will have a difficult time relating to a larger world that is decidedly religious. What we UUs do is a curious thing for a church. Jews work to raise Jewish children. Muslims work to raise Muslim children. Christians work to raise Christian children. Conversely, Unitarian Universalists are often too worried about causing their children harm by giving them specific beliefs that we give them nothing specific at all. We don't even tell them that we want them to be Unitarian Universalists all of their lives. Why is that? Are we ambivalent about being UU ourselves? Maybe so. I'm a UU minister who mentors other UU ministers. Laurel's just the one on the latest ones. Most of the time, I have four or five colleagues that I'm either helping through seminary or helping get through the first few years in parish ministry. One of the greatest struggles new ministers who were raised UUs have is what to believe. Seminary classes require a student to wrestle with his or her faith. The first few years of parish ministry will demand a lot of prayer. Often these new raised UU ministers have gone on a long religious journey before they make their way back to our faith. They try everything from evangelical Christianity to Catholicism to Judaism to Buddhism to paganism before realizing Unitarian Universalism has exactly what they need. Their own faith was what they needed all along. Time and again, I hear from young ministers who were raised UU that they left their home churches not believing much of anything at all. Out in the world, they found other young people who had rich spiritual lives, Christians, Jews, Muslims, Mormons, Hindus, and they wanted that too. They wanted deep-seated beliefs to turn to in times of trouble. They wanted clear-headed beliefs to use in figuring out complex religious problems. 
to live in this multi-religious world of ours, how much better equipped might our children be if we didn't raise them to be accidental atheists? What if we raised them to believe in a God that reveals God's self in caring for others and the earth? What if the words and the deeds of brave Unitarians and Universalists lived in their bones and gave them strength? What if they wanted to tell other young adults how great it is to be a UU? What if they wanted to go to a UU church on their own? I remember distinctly the first time I ever held one of our gray hymnals. As a 25-year-old young adult who had recently discovered Unitarian Universalism during the last years of the old red hymnal, I had heard about the new gray hymnal about to be published. Hymnals are hymnals, I thought. Just a bunch of churchy songs sort of categorized roughly around Christmas and Easter, right? So the Sunday My Church, the first Unitarian Church of Portland, Oregon, debuted the new gray hymnal in 1993. I came forward like everybody else to get a fresh one out of the cardboard box that they had been shipped in. They just stuck the boxes up at the front of the church. It was part of the service. We all went back to our seats and were invited to take a few minutes and look at this brand new hymnal. They, of course, kind of creaked open like a new book does. And we were invited to sort of lovingly break it in a little bit. Touch it, smell it, leaf through it. Well, I had never in my life seen a book like this. The songs were grouped in new and unusual ways, Things like the celebration of life, solstice and equinox, the world of nature, commitment and action, music of the cultures of the world, and the interdependent web, to name a few. Likewise, the readings in the back did not all come from the Bible. They seemed to come from everywhere. There was poetry and prose there. There were passages from many different scriptures, The readings honored men and women, people of color, and civil rights leaders of all kinds, with groupings such as Transcending Mystery and Wonder, or Words and Deeds of Prophetic Men and Women, or Wisdom from the World's Religions. These readings impressed me then and impress me still. I give large credit to the gray hymnal for making me a Unitarian Universalist. It is still the main resource I use as a minister, even though it's almost 25 years old. It is the one book I would ask for if I were ever in prison and could only have one book. You see, the beauty of Unitarian Universalism is that it's its own religion without needing to be frightened of the other religions of the world. UUs can be in dialogue with people of faith without fear of being converted 
and without the desire to convert. That's a radical thing in our world. By example, we live our faith as we would like the rest of the world to live its. And that is why we are so much needed in these times. We know what it is like to fight for religious liberty. We stand ready to fight for it for others everywhere. Though the world is becoming more religious all the time, it is sadly not becoming more religiously tolerant. In fact, wars, immigration, and prejudice all threaten to undo religious tolerance in our own country and around the world. As reported in the Christian Century, the State Department should now add Russia to its list of the worst violators of religious freedom, a U.S. Commission declared in its annual report. The U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, founded to advise the federal government, cites the most abusive countries each year, a list that is consistently longer than the State Department's. The Commission recommended that the United States designate Russia as a country of particular concern for wielding an anti-extremist law to violate the religious freedoms of Muslims and other minorities. Most recently, Russia banned Jehovah's Witnesses, labeling them extremists and ordering the state to seize their properties. They're treating these people like terrorists, said Tom Reese, a Jesuit priest who chairs the commission, referring to Russia's treatment of the Jehovah's Witnesses. They're pacifists, he goes on to say. They don't want to be involved in politics, and they just want to be left alone. The Supreme Court in Russia has basically said they're illegal. For 2017, the worst violators of religious freedom on the commission's list were, in alphabetical order, Burma, the Central African Republic, China, Eritrea, Iran, Nigeria, North Korea, Pakistan, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Syria, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, and Vietnam. There is work to do. The amazing li religious liberty we enjoy cannot be taken for granted. Yes, the religions of the world have to learn to get along together, and we, you use, have to help that. We have to be part of the solution. Sitting in his Ramla grocery store near the Al-Amari Mosque, Shlomo Hauta, a Jew of Moroccan origins, says he enjoys the melodies of the recitation of the Quran, but mosque speakers appear to have been turned up as of late as a show of religious assertion. There are religious extremists on both sides, he said, and I think it's being done to annoy us. I don't mind if it's at a reasonable volume. Badri Yosfan, a Jewish immigrant from Iraq, said the pre-dawn call to prayer sometimes interrupts the sleep of his grandchildren, though it does not disturb him during the day. And emerging after prayers at the mosque, Musa Abu Hilal 
says that every house of prayer has its cacophony of sounds. The Christians have their church bells, he said. Everyone should respect the other's freedom of religion. Let us live and work for a world where all might coexist in peace. So be it. Amen. As we begin to close our service, I would like to invite you all downstairs to the parish hall for coffee and conversation. If you're interested in joining the worship sharing circle, they will be meeting out on the Carister Terrace here, uh, just to just outside the store. A couple of things to remember. We're starting a new church year, so it's always good to have a few little reminders. There's always a member of the standing committee who is down in the parish hall available to talk uh, about any matters uh, concerning the governance of this fine congregation, so you can seek them out there. Just a reminder that the First Parish Cafe is open at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning, so you can beat the the movie traffic and get here and have some coffee and a muffin and meet some new friends. Um, If you're short on parking, there's always parking over in the municipal lot just off of Kai's Road. It's just about five minutes walk over here, and so you can easily park your car and walk on over to church. We encourage folks to wear name tags. That helps everyone else out. Right after the service, 1130, the Transcendentalism Council is meeting in the Emerson Room, and they're interested in all history enthusiasts. So if you're interested in Transcendentalism and history of the church, go and uh, check in at that meeting. Also, the Concord Progressive Activists are doing a get-out-the-vote effort from now until the election, and starting at 1130 up in the loft, which is just across from the Emerson Um, You can sign up to do a little or a lot of that work, and they'll give you instructions there. It's going to be quite important for all of us to do whatever we can to get folks to the polls in November. And lastly, uh, there's a trip to Rosie's Place happening this afternoon, and they're in need of two volunteers. Susie Weaver is here. Susie, where are you? Raise your hand. Just check in with this nice lady in gray if you have time to go to Rosie's Place this afternoon. Our closing song is number 193 in that same good old gray hymnal. Our faith is but a single gem. Let us stand, greet those around us, and sing number 193.
Peace, salam, shalom. Peace, salam, shalom. Peace, salam, shalom. And now, go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all beings. Please be seated for the postlude. Mm-hmm.